the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the Blessed Month of Buona, and we read in it where the Pharisees, they accused the Lord Jesus of casting out demon by Beelzebub, who was the ruler of the demons. Uh, of course, this is a false accusation, and this is a lie. As we said before when we spoke about lying, that false accusations are a type of lie. And I find as you uh, look at the landscape that we're currently living in the technological age, you'll find that fabricating reality has become increasingly more easy. Fabricating reality has become more easy. For example, now instead of maybe putting uh, your picture as your profile picture, you have what's called avatars, where it's uh, this cartoon kind of character that has been created in a way to look very close to your face, but with no blemishes. It's perfect, right? And now you have, again, uh, AI that's becoming very popular, artificial intelligence that can generate words and images and music and many different things uh, that seem to be something that was created by a human. Of course, we've had for a long time this idea of virtual reality, and it was popular in the gaming industry. And now we've had, we've come across some new technology called augmented reality, which is the, me- the mending or the blending of both the virtual world and the real world. So, of course, this can easily be abused, and it makes uh, lying more compelling and easy. Um, so, as the Bible teaches us to test all things, and St. Paul tells, or St. John tells us, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So I'd like to speak briefly this morning about how do we evaluate a lie or a false teaching? How do we evaluate a lie or a false teaching? Um, but just some notable before we begin uh, to re- refresh our memory of what we spoke about before regarding lying. We said that generally speaking, a lie is uh, basically to confuse or delude the truth. Anything that makes the truth unclear or denies the truth, we will say is a lie. And uh, But I want to make a distinction here between a lie and the liar, right? Um, it's oftentimes difficult to separate the two from the lie from the liar because we might know who the lie is coming from. But again, sometimes it's difficult to ascertain the originator of the lie. Uh, for example, you have many people who post things online with an alias name. You have no idea who it is. Um, they don't put their name. They don't. They put like a picture of some sort or an avatar, but they don't put their real picture. So we don't know who's coming up with these kind of uh, lies. And now, of course, with, again, this artificial intelligence, we don't know even if the lie was generated by a human being or not. So then how do we navigate through this world and how do we kind of look at what's a lie and what's not? I want to make it very clear that the reason for what I'm speaking or the purpose of what I'm going to speak about is for us not to judge a person, but through the grace of God we can evaluate things in light of our faith and the work of the Holy Spirit within us. So what I'm saying here is not to evaluate people, but to evaluate the ideas and the lies themselves lest we fall into judgment and perhaps fall into the same uh, sin. Also, I want to uh, make it clear or you know, 
share with you not to give anything or anyone more credence than God. I was out with a trip with the high schoolers, and they had several questions, and most of the questions were based on, Abuna, I saw this on TikTok, and I saw this picture created by some artificial intelligence. These things, yani, we don't need to give more credence than God. We, they say this and they accept this as being the truth because it was generated by a computer. But what about the truth of God that was revealed to us by God Himself in Scripture? This should be our reference, okay? So don't take the things that we see online to be true because it was generated by somebody who doesn't know anything on TikTok or some computer that has been fed information and spits out some kind of result. Just because it's a computer, it doesn't mean that it's infallible, but actually on the contrary, it's uh, quite fallible. So how do we evaluate a lie? Number one is you'll find um, uh, that the lies are often, uh, they have uh, unfounded assertions or accusations. There's no evidence supporting the claim or the accusation that's being made. Um, And oftentimes they're just a matter of opinion, but they're communicated to us as if they were fact. People say, I think so and so, and they communicate as something that's fact. Just like, for example, like uh, the theory of evolution, that's still taught as a theory, which is mean that somebody's idea, how we all came from a single organism, you know, uh, fish and apes and humans all alike. But this is a theory. But there's no real evidence to say that this is exactly how things, you know, happened. But it's taught as fact in school. Also, we saw in the gospel today, the Pharisees, when they accused the Lord, they accused him. They said, this fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. What's the evidence that they have to accuse him of being the ruler of the demons? Is it only because he cast out a demon? That's the only piece of evidence you have? You would imagine the ruler of the demons would have many other signs. So we have to be careful uh, when you'll find the lie is often uh, there's no foundation or no uh, evidence for for it. Uh, number two is we have to ask how does it measure to the truth that we already know? Um, and as I mentioned before, we shouldn't avoid or void the truth that we know no matter what it claims. right? So if we know something to be true, just because somebody or something tells us otherwise, we shouldn't say, oh yes, they must be right and I must be mistaken. Right? No, because this is exactly what the lie wants to, te- to tell you, is that you're mistaken and I have the truth, which is actually a lie, so you can be subject to me. The people of Galatia, when St. Paul was preaching to them, in the beginning of his epistle, he tells them, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you and the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So he just finished preaching to them, and very soon after they started turning to another gospel. And he's marveling, how is it that you turned so quickly to a lie after I've delivered to you the truth of the gospel? And he continues and he says what? But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed or anathemized in Greek. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed or anathemized. And he repeats it twice. So he's saying here, if anyone or any angel preaches to you other than the truth. So he says, even if there's some miracle that happens 
and teaches you something against what the gospel says, believe the gospel and don't believe the lie. So once we know the truth and we have the truth, even if something came in the form of an angel and preached to us the opposite, we deny the truth. We need to be very vigilant. So how does it measure to the truth? How does it measure to the truth that we already know? The third criteria is the reason, reasonability. How reasonable is the assertion or accusation? And how does it interact with the reality that we live and observe and experience every day? Again, the, the Pharisees, when they accused, or the high priest accused the Lord of casting out the uh, demons by the ruler of the demons, what, what else do they have? Actually, he's the one who cast out demons, raised the dead, healed the sick, preached the people peace, love, and joy. What other evidence do you have to say that he's the ruler of the demons? They have nothing, right? So it's not reasonable to conclude that because he cast out demon, he is the leader of the demon. And Christ even exposed their unreasonability. He said, if Satan has a kingdom, and he wants this kingdom to flourish, and he's casting out his own demons, his kingdom won't fall. It's just like a general fighting against his own soldiers. They will not fall. They'll collapse, right? So he, he, he shows them their unreasonability. Again, it's like a boy who watches Superman for the first time, puts on the cape, and thinks that he's Superman and that he can somehow fly. And us as parents, we know we have to be careful with this. When they put on that cape, they might do things and jump off of things that can potentially harm them, right? Whether it be the couch or stairs or whatever. Also, we find a lot of you know nonsense that's going around us today, saying, for example, that men can get pregnant. Some people believe that. But you have to test this. Is this reasonable or unreasonable? It's unreasonable. This has never happened. Not in the human realm, nor in the animal realm. Does the male, the one who bears the children. We must dismiss these as absurd nonsense. We must dismiss them. And dismiss them, we don't engage, and we don't share, and we don't give them any credence or any value. Things that are nonsense ought to be put in a category of nonsense, closed in a box, and put off to the side. Right? Is it reasonable or is it not? Oftentimes you'll find the lie is very unreasonable. Another question you can ask, is there a bias or a personal motive for this? The lies often have a personal motive or a bias. If you remember the story with King Ahab, who wanted to go to war with Ramoth Gilead, and he asked Jehoshaphat, who is the king of Judah, to come with him. And Jehoshaphat said, okay, you know, give me a prophet to tell me that this is something that God has blessed. And he said, I have 400 prophets who, you know, who tell me to go and you know, you'll have victory over your enemies. All of these 400 prophets were false prophets. And Jehoshaphat knew it. He said, no, is there not one who can prophesy really? So all of these 400, why were they telling the king Ahab what he wants to hear? Right? He supports them. He supports them. So as long as we tell the king what he wants to hear, then he'll support us and give us everything we need. So me and my family will live comfortably and live like princes if we just tell him what he wants to hear. So there is a personal motive here, right? And therein lies the seeds of a lie. The same thing with the priests of Bel in the book of Daniel chapter uh, 14 where it speaks about this uh, idol, his name was Bel, and the the priests would go in and they would feed this uh, idol copious amounts of food and the king thought that the, the idol ate it every night. 
Because when you'd go in the morning, it'd be, you know, empty. No, none of the food would be there. And Daniel, of course, he looked through this and says, this is unreasonable. So, and he told the king, okay, send them all out. And then let me, you know, go in there and see the idol. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. So he goes in there. He makes the sand in front of the idol completely flat. And then he lets them do their thing. And then what ended up happening is that the priest had this secret passage that would come inside the temple where the idol was. He and his family, like over 70 people, would come and indulge and feast on all of the food that the king has placed for the idol, consume it all in a night, and leave. And the, Daniel, and then the king opens, the, the next day he opens the, uh, the place where the idol was, and he says, look, all the food is gone. And Daniel says, whoa, 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 just one second. Look at the floor. And they look at the floor, and what do they find? Footsteps of men, women, children, many feet, right? So the king knew that this was a scheme. This was a lie. And he killed all of those priests and their families because of this. There was a bias and a personal motive here at work. The two judges in the story of Susanna that we read on Apocalypse Night, the same. They both lied uh, to uh, the people because there was a bias to cover their lust for Susanna. You'll find in lies there's often a bias or a personal motive. Number five is you'll find that we ask another question is, does it make God a liar? Lies often make God himself look like a liar. If we go back to the story with Satan or the serpent and Eve, the first question he asks Eve is what? Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? What does this question imply? It actually implies that God is lying to you, right? So he makes God a liar so he can make it look like he's saying the truth, right? And this is the sign of a lie. That's why St. Paul reminds us in his letter to the Romans to let God be true and every man a liar. And St. John in his letter, he says, He who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. Whoever does not believe God makes God a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has born uh, born to his Son. So we make God a liar when we don't believe that the Lord Jesus is his son. We make God a liar because we don't believe him. We say, this can't be your son. You must be lying. No. right? So we often find the lie makes God look like he's a liar. And if you think about the story of today, the Pharisees accuse the Lord Jesus of being the, uh, casting out demon by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demon, or Satan. And Satan is the father of what? father of lies, right? So they accuse God himself of being a liar. Sometimes a friend or a co-worker might try to convince you to do something that your faith, your parents perhaps prohibit um, by accusing them of lying to you. They say, no, your parents don't want to do this because of so-and-so. And they'll lie to you. And they'll say your parents are lying to you or they don't want you to, to do something. They don't want you to have fun, or so-and-so, right? But they'll make them a liar so they can be taken as being true. The last one is, you'll find that the lies are often intolerant of dissent, meaning they're intolerant of people disagreeing with them. 
A lie is often, uh, it doesn't tolerate any disagreement or challenge. If you remember, I'll recall your memory to when the Lord was being on trial in front of the high priest. And while he was there, the high priest asked the Lord about his doctrine. And the Lord responded and, and told him that I've said everything in public. Ask those who've heard me preach. They will tell you what I've said. Then it says, beginning in John eighteen twenty one, Why do you ask me? Ask those who've heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? So the man struck him because he didn't like what he said. He challenged them and they didn't like it. They lied and they you know, accused him falsely. And because he challenged them, they didn't like it, so he, he hit them. And the Lord responded and said that if I spoke evil, then tell me what the evil is. But if well, then why do you slap me? And what was the result of this? You would think, okay, let's reconsider what's happening. It says, then Anas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Get out of my face. Right? So they can't tolerate dissent. Once there's a challenge, then there becomes an attack, and then there's a dismissal. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. So you'll find the lie often they can't tolerate any dissent or any challenge or disagreement. So how do we really quickly, how do we respond to a lie? Number one is, is take the thought captive. Take the thought captive, take the post captive, whatever it is that you want to say, take it captive. Look what St. Paul tells us. He says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So taking captive means giving us time to evaluate and think about the accusation or the assertion. Let's think about this. Does it make sense? Or does it, does it not make sense? Is there something that they're saying in this, in this lie that they're missing? And that's why they're coming to this conclusion or to this lie? But if I just accept it because somebody said it, or some machine said it, or some person on TikTok or whatever it is that you know was on there because they posted it, then we're, how are we going to take this captive? Then I'll be easily led astray by any wind or any suggestion that anybody makes. Take captive these thoughts and these ideas. Don't follow the lie or allow it to proceed to the will. Don't allow the lie to then go into the will without being evaluated, without holding it, holding it captive. Number two is evaluate it. What do the following say regarding the assertion or the accusation that was made? How does it, how does it um, um, measure against what Scripture says? How does it measure against what the church says and teaches? How does it measure against our own experience and the experience of those you know, whom we trust? And how does it measure against the reality that we live in? Ask ourselves these things. We have to evaluate it. How does it measure against these things? Number three is do not share the lie. The power of the lie is its ability to propagate easily, to go from one person to one person very easily. This is the power of the lie. This is what makes lying so uh, dangerous is that it can propagate easily. People like to hear and read lies more than they like to know the truth, unfortunately. 
So if I if I'm questioning or if I'm not sure, if I'm sure something is a lie, don't share it. Don't share it with anybody. That's how you squash a lie is by not sharing it. Don't say, hey, look at this. Look at this lie. And then somebody else gets it. And then you said, hey, look at this lie. And you share it to somebody else. Eventually, somebody's going to share it without saying, look at this lie. And they might begin to uh, believe it. Those who desire to propagate a lie will try to flood you with the lie until you begin to believe the lie. This is one of their tactics. It's called flooding. If I can expose you to the lie everywhere you look, you begin to believe that it's true. If I can tell you from everybody that you might know or might any website you go to online that men can somehow get pregnant, you might begin to believe that this is something that's possible. That the medical field has come out with some new way to allow men to get pregnant. Again, this is unreasonable. So don't share the lie. And lastly is expose it. Respond with the truth. Just like the Lord did here. He says, if I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if I have spoken well, then why do you strike me? Reveal it by the truth, not by aggression, not by rebellion, not by, you know, attacking somebody, but by just speaking the truth. What's reasonable, we show, what's unreasonable, we show why it's unreasonable. And we say this, right? So we evaluate, so again, to recap, responding to the lie, we take it captive, evaluate it, don't share it, and expose it with the truth. May God help us to navigate through these times. And not be fooled by lies and by the different ideas and things that people post and share online. We need to be able to filter through these things and determine what's a lie and what is truth. Because the Bible teaches to test all things and uh, not to be uh, drawn away by the lie. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.